Um, you know, so many times when it comes to repentance, there's, there's so many ideas we have about repentance. Thinking that we need to repent so that God can forgive us. We need to stop our sin. And then repentance, the, the, the definition of repentance in our minds is simply, you must your sonder loss. You know? And if you leave your sin, then God will start to help you and bless you in this life. But that is not what repentance is all about. Repentance has got a completely different definition. I know, you know, I've also heard it uh, said that uh, the word repent means to change your mind, which is true, which I believe with all my heart. And um, then you change your mind about, and this is how repentance has been preached, you change your mind about what you've been doing, and now you're going to start to live right and do right so that God can start to bless you, and that you can have the breakthrough. Now, that is not what repentance is. <clears throat> Let's go to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. I decided to, to speak on this, and I wanted to say, speak on this for a long time, and I didn't do it, um, but then the other day somebody phoned me from a, a Kimberley area, and he said to me, you know Bertie, um, I've just grabbed a hold of this grace message, and now um, he's, he's a farmer, and he also preaches, you know, um, in the rural areas, and uh, in the squatter camps and, camps and everything, so, uh, and he's always been preaching dry of bry, you know, turn or burn, you know, uh, leave your sin, Leave this, stop this, repent, you know, and be baptized. You need to repent and be baptized, then you can be saved. If you don't repent, and if you don't get baptized, you can never be saved. And then repentance is obviously, repent from all your sins. Then God can save you. Now, um, so he phoned me and he said to me, Bert, you know, I, I, I started to listen to your stuff on, on uh, uh, Christcake, and um, some of the people... Some slots before you and after you differ from you <laughs> radically. Um, and, but I, your message grabs my heart. And he started to preach this. And now they started to ask him, but what about repentance? The Bible says you must repent. Paul says he repents daily. People, I mean, there's, there's so many scriptures about repentance. So I thought, um, you know, this must be something that we need to understand. And that's why I want to minister on this. <clears throat> right. Uh, the first scripture I want to go to is Matthew 3. And verse 17. Matthew 3, verse 17. Just talking a little bit about the baptism of Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, why was Jesus baptized? I mean, we, John had a, the baptism of repentance. Where you, had to, you got baptized. We say, I repent and, um, of my sins. You know, and I'm waiting for the Messiah to come. You know, so I am actually saying I repent of living a life not expecting the, the, uh, the coming of the Messiah. And uh, so they repented and then they lived a holy life waiting for the Messiah to come. That's what the baptism of, of John was all about. And here comes Jesus and he wants to be baptized by John. Why? Let's read that. <clears throat> Um, John 3.13 Then come, came Jesus from Galilee to the Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbid him, saying, I have need to be baptized of you, and, you, um, and comest you to me. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Okay, now, <laughs> this is an awesome scripture. Here Jesus comes, and when he would be baptized by John, it would be to the fulfillment of all righteousness, when Jesus would be baptized. Now, I know Jesus also died on the cross for our sins, and we're gonna, I'm going to explain that. But when repentance comes, we need to understand what we need to repent of before we repent. I mean, if I come to you and I say to you, listen, you need to repent, and your mindset is, I am guilty before the law, then your definition of repentance would be in connection to the law. Okay, so it's like um, if, 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 if a lady is eating a lot of cake and the husband comes and he says, repent. 
I mean, what is she thinking? I must stop to eat cake. Isn't it? That's what she thinks. You know, if somebody's driving too fast and somebody comes and says, you need to repent, what's going to come to your mind? I mean, you can only define repentance under the system you are under or in the system you're under. So if you are part of the law system, repentance will have its, uh, or, or a change of life will be in, con connected to the law. Okay, I'm wrong here, then I need to get right in that area. Now, if you're under the law, you will obviously think, I must get right in the area of living right. But that is not the, defi the true definition of repentance, because we don't live under that law anymore. Jesus Christ came and took that law. Okay? So, let's just look at what Jesus did. Here he comes. He was called the Lamb of God. Okay? If you go and read the uh, account of John, you will see that uh, two times John said, Behold the Lamb of God, before Jesus was baptized. He had this revelation by the Holy Spirit, prophesying and showing the fulfillment of prophecy, which is Jesus, the Lamb of God. Here is Jesus now, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the whole world. John said it twice. Then he came... After that, and said, I want to be baptized by you. So it doesn't make sense to him. You must take away my sin, now you must be baptized by me. Now what was that baptism? That baptism Jesus was baptized with was the baptism of sinners. A sinner had to be baptized so that he could be clean, waiting for the Messiah to come. So when Jesus went into that baptism, he fully identified with a sinner. He fully identified with a sinner. Because it, John, in the Old Testament, was, he was the greatest person in the Old Testament. Then when, if he was the greatest, in the Old Testament, if you look at the greatest person, it was always the high priest. He was the greatest person representing. Then Jesus said, here is the greatest person in the Old Testament. And Jesus came to him to be baptized by him. Okay? To act, and the way baptism worked then was a person put his hands on the shoulders and put him under the water. And that was, to me, and this is the way I see it, the significance of that was the laying on of the priest, laying hands on the sheep for the transference of sin. So that he could carry my sin. So when he was baptized, that was when he fully identified as your high priest, to take all your sin upon him. That is why Jesus could go later on, and he could go to a man that was paralyzed and say to him, I declare to you your sins are forgiven. Because how could he say to him, your sins are forgiven, and he hasn't even died? You see, the cross was the punishment for sin. But the, in the baptism, he took the sin upon him. So he took that sin upon himself in baptism. To fulfill all righteousness. So that was one part of it. Now that is the wonderful thing. That even if people were forgiven of their sins. If Jesus didn't die to make an end of sin. And bring forth a new man. They could never be saved. Into the life of God. Now that's a little bit technical. But I, I will explain all of that. Jesus came. He was baptized. When he was baptized it was to fulfill all righteousness. So that means if Jesus was not baptized. He could not fulfill all righteousness. So when he was baptized, and for those of you that mind spinning, I'm not saying, we're not, this is not a baptismal service. We're not going to baptize people after the service. Okay? It's not to get people to be baptized, this service. It's to explain to you why Jesus was baptized. So Jesus comes, John comes, lays hands upon him, baptizes him. If you go and re read in Leviticus, you will see that a high priest, before he was a high priest, he first had to be he had to be anointed he had to be washed with pure water he had to be washed with water and he had to be anointed with oil so here was Jesus washed with water in the Jordan river and anointed with oil the holy spirit came upon him from that moment he was the high priest of the human race he said i accept that i accept the fact that i am the high priest amen and then god a wonderful thing happened a voice came from heaven that said this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So what pleased the Father? The fact that He took your sin upon Himself. That was pleasing to the Father. Saying, man, isn't that beautiful? Here He comes. He walks sinless. Goes down into the water. 
stand up as the representative of the human race. And all of sin is seen in one man, Jesus. And the Father, it pleased Him. Your innocence, by His effort, pleases Him. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Your innocence, by His effort, pleased Him. You know, when, when we come to repent, <laughs> I mean, John the Baptist was pre preaching a repentance there. Um, and I mean, there was the Pharisees, they came and they now repented. Then the Pharisees said to him, said to them, you're a brood of vipers, you snakes. How can you say you repent, but you're still not bearing the fruit that's worthy of repentance? Now, what was fruit worthy of repentance? Fruit worthy of repentance to the Pharisees, which has been holy people, would be something completely different than what people would think. One of the things that they had to do, um, that they had to change was their view about the Messiah and the way the Messiah would come. There were so many technical things, and I'm not going to get into that. Let's quickly go to Isaiah 42, and I just want to read to you what Jesus came to do. Because without understanding what Jesus has done, repentance has got no value. I mean, the word repentance cannot be defined. If we want to define the word love, we define it in the cross. If we want to define... Um, I mean, in other words, love cannot exist without knowledge of the cross. Okay. So if love can be defined without the cross, your definition of love is just a partial definition. Or actually no definition. Love is defined in the fact that He gave His Son so that He, and He was well pleased in making you innocent. In the fact that He took the sin of the world upon Him. Okay. Right. So here He stands, uh, here stands God and He says, I love people, I give my Son. That is the definition of love. If I want to define righteousness, I cannot go with Old Testament law and try and define righteousness. I define righteousness by what Jesus has done. Okay? Now, if I want to define repentance, I cannot, the, 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 the repentance cannot be defined without the revelation of the resurrected Jesus and your 100% identification with Him. So that means if you can find, if you can define repentance without putting Jesus in the picture, in other words, leaving your sin and living a holy life, your definition of repentance is not the true definition. Because Jesus said that after He's done everything then, from Jerusalem and onwards will be preached repentance and the forgiveness of sins. He did not say repentance for the forgiveness of sins. There's a difference between preaching repentance for the forgiveness of sins and repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Okay. So, and, and we're going to get to this, this conclusion that unless you repent, it will be very difficult for you to have a new heart. Okay, what did I say? Was it Isaiah 42? Verse 1 to 10. Let's quickly go there. Isaiah 42. Just a little bit about what Jesus came to do. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Now, that word judgment there is also the word justice, what is right. Okay? He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall spring... He shall bring forth judgment unto, the, uh, unto truth. Listen to this. He shall bring forth a judgment unto truth. So there will be a decision will be made. The word judgment also means to decide, to make a decision. So a certain decision, a certain judgment shall come forth unto truth. So what is the truth? The truth is what the truth is Jesus, your representative. So there was something that God would do, a judgment that would come that would bring the Gentiles, the people that did not have the law, that, that didn't have anything to do with God, and bring them unto truth, the truth about who they really are. They were thinking they were dogs. 
They were thinking they had nothing to do with God. They made their own wooden gods because the people of Israel had their true God. So they made their wooden gods. Here comes, here comes God and says, no, I, my son will bring truth to them. Right, okay. Thus is, God, thus is the Lord God. He that created the heavens and stretched uh, the heavens stretch them out. He that spreads forth the earth and that which comes out of it. He that gives breath unto people upon it and the spirit to them that walk. I the Lord have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of my people, for a light of the Gentiles. Why? To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, this is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to craven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before, uh, before they spring forth, I tell you them. Sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise from the ends of the earth. Ye that go down to the sea, and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof. So what is he saying here? Let me explain that. He says, I will send my son. My son will bring a judgment that will make people, that will bring the truth about every man. Okay? Then he says, I will open the blind eyes. So there are people that are blind, and he will open the blind eyes. There are people that are in prison, and he will set them free from that prison. Okay. Now we're going to define repentance. Say somebody is in a jail. And I have unlocked the door of that jail. And that person still sits in the jail. But he has been set free. So for him to sit there is actually wrong. If he really repents, he will just walk out of, he will first change his mind. He first has to have a change of mind. I am not bound anymore. I have been set free. When his mind changes, that he is not bound anymore, that he has already been set free, then, he can, then his belief system can change and he can walk out of the bondage that he's in. Okay? But the first thing that had to happen, he had to come and bring sight to the blind, and he had to bring deliverance for those that are sitting in jail. So in jail, there where you sit... Okay, if you have not repented, you might live a very holy life, but you're in the jail. What jail does God talk about here? He's talking about the jail of the law, the jail of the message of works righteousness, which people need to repent of. Because He has come to set them free. Amen. He's come to set them free. So that's the first thing. Jesus was baptized to take all sin upon Him to be your high priest. That pleased the Father to say, yes, this is it. It pleased the Father. Let's quickly go to Matthew 12, verse 1 to 5, and just see what happened there. i just explain a little bit about repentance. So when we repent, the word repent means metanoia, to change your mind. It, is, it doesn't have any connection with your works. It's not connected to your works. It is the foundation from where new works can flow forth. But it's got to do with reality and God. The Bible says, a place in the Bible, I, I forgot to write, write it down, it says, repent towards God. That's what it says. Change your mind towards God. That's repentance. So repent, never think of repentance as, I leave my sin. Think of repentance as, I change my mind about who God is. And about what He's really done for me. I changed my mind. I have a change of mind. I'm going to start to think different about God. When you start to think different about God, then we can declare unto you, your sins are forgiven. Because if you still think, and I've, I've seen this now with all, all the time with people. You know, you, you will find somebody that's maybe not learned learn in the Scriptures. He will come and you will talk to him and he's just like a wild guy. Talk to him about God. We talk to him about the love of God, the mercy of God and all those type of things. You will, he will say, yes, yes, yes. And then when you say to him, I want to declare to you your sins are forgiven, he'll just start to cry. But somebody that's learned in the scriptures and that's fighting for the law system, 
When you come to Him and you want to tell Him, listen, I want you to think different about God. God is a forgiving, loving, no condemning, never angry God. He cannot believe it. If he cannot believe that, I can never tell him, listen, your sins has already been forgiven 2,000 years ago, and he will believe it. He cannot believe that. Because you must have a, 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 a certain perspective about who God is for you to understand that he is so good that he could set you free even before you confessed any sin. No, Bertie, but that cannot be true. Matthew 12, this is, this is a... One of my new favorite scriptures. Matthew 12, from verse 1. At that time Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were hungered, and began to pluck the ears of the corn and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, your disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. And he said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungered? And they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God, and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law, how, the Sabbath, uh, um, how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless. But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. Now that is something. <laughs> here, just picture this. Here, here they come. The law says... And this was still under the law. So the Pharaoh, the, 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 Jesus' disciples sinned. They took grain, rubbed it in their hands, and they ate it. It was against the law. You were not allowed to do that. So they sinned. They could have had trouble. So he says, yeah, look at what your disciples do. They are guilty before the law. They've sinned. Then Jesus said, look at the law. In the law, people did the same thing. But they were not guilty. If you had this in mind that God's vision is mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. Now, who are the guiltless that he's referring to here? Those that have just been guilty of sinning against the law. They've just sinned. They never repented in our tradition of repentance. And Jesus said, you are condemning the guiltless. My goodness. <laughs> Isn't that what Jesus said? That's what he said. Now, I, I, he was directly speaking about um, uh, uh, these disciples that was rubbing the grain in their hands. But I also believe that that refers to, to everybody that they were condemning. And there's a very good example of that in the Bible, in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Oh, well, you can just write it down. It's about the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. Okay? Here comes a woman. She's caught in the very act. Okay? She must be stoned. The scripture says she must be stoned. Then what does Jesus say? Let's forget the whole picture and all the things that happened, but what does Jesus say about her? He says, I don't condemn you. Why doesn't he condemn her? Because she is not guilty. No, but she's just committed adultery. According to the law, she is guilty. He says, if you've got sacrifice and the law system in your mind, yes, she's guilty. But if you've got the mercy of God in your mind, she is not guilty. That's why Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Okay? So what, what was Jesus' mind about somebody that committed one of the worst sins that we find today, which is adultery, caught in the very act? Without her, has she repented when Jesus spoke to her? 
No. Did she confess her sin and say, Jesus, I'll never do it. I'll try again. I press the re recommit button. You know, I'm, I'm recommitting Jesus. No, no. He, he, she never did that. She never did that. But Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Why? Because he knew, he knew the saying that God will have mercy and not sacrifice. Now what's wonderful about that is, that verse says, if you know what this means, I will have mercy. So what God wants is mercy on you. That's what he will have. So when Jesus comes and offers the mercy of God for you, he will take that. But he's not going to take man's sacrifice for his sins. He's not going to take that. He will have mercy. And because he's, he's having mercy and Jesus was baptized, carrying the sin of the woman that just committed adultery, she was not guilty. My goodness, very quiet in this church. But Bertie, you know, shouldn't people then repent of their sins? People need to repent of their wrong belief. If you can repent of your wrong belief and the Holy Spirit can start living you, you will find sin leaving you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we read that verse again? I know it's not for those on the internet, it's not, it will not be on the screen. Um, let's go again to Ezekiel. 36 verse 26. <laughs> I tell you, the church needs to repent, man. Need to repent, change their mind about God. Repent towards people. Repent towards the world. And repentance is not, I am sorry. No, repentance is... That is, I am sorry, is what we call remorse. That's not repent. That's remorse. Daar is een verskil tussen die woord bekeer en die woord berou. We have, we, we, we've, we, we've confused remorse with repent. It's not the same thing. I do believe to have remorse, you know, but too much of remorse is also not a good thing. But when I've believed the wrong thing and I've preached the wrong thing, there will be remorse in my heart because I've misled people. You know, I've misled myself. I've misled my family and my, my children has been going under the yoke of deception. So there will be a remorse and that will be automatic when you realize that. It's not something you decide to have. But when repentance comes, is when you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your heart that God is a good God. And God has removed, behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. So then he, how did he do it? He was baptized, when he came out of the water, all of sin came upon him. Then he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, then I will draw all the judgment that's supposed to come to people unto me. Why? Because all their sins has been embodied in me. Hallelujah. So when we repent, we change our mind about who God is. And I think repentance, the first step of repentance is, is when you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit that God is a good God, that God is love, that you yield to that. It's like Paul, you know, when he was on the road to Damascus, then um, he fell off his horse, a light, bright light appeared. What was the first thing that God said to Paul? He said, Paul, is it very hard to kick against the goats? That word goat is where we get the word a, 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 a prodder for, for cattle from. It was like a sharp thing that you push the cattle in a certain direction. If you want him to go this way, you take it, you push him. It's like a prick going in that direction. So Paul was all the time in his heart, there was a prick that this gospel of grace is the right thing. It is the right thing. And he was kicking against it. Didn't want to repent. Didn't want to think different about God. But as you get this, we think different. If you're watching by the internet, maybe you're a pastor watching from the internet or, or somebody that's... Uh, and and I, I thank God that we can do it via the internet because there are many people that will never come to a public meeting like this, but you'll watch this. Because, and you know in your heart that God is speaking to you. If God is prodding you in a certain direction, I want to tell you, yield to God. Yield to the love of God. 
And as you yield to the love of God, my friend, I tell you, like God provided for Paul to become a minister that preached all over the world, He can provide for you to preach the truth. Hallelujah. Amen. So God is prodding people in their hearts with His good news, with Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing. So, and this is what he says in Ezekiel. I want to just read this. Listen to what, how repentance works. He says, Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Okay? A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my, in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers. And you shall be my people and I will be your God. And I will also save you from all your uncleanliness, uncleannesses, sorry. And I will, call for, I will call for the corn, and it will increase it, and lay no famine upon you. So what is God? I mean, we, these people are almost like a victim, man. It's like God's just going to do all these good things to them. That's it. And this is what God has done in Christ. He brought us this. So the repentance that God talks about is not connected to the law, it's not connected to your works, it's not connected to anything. It's connected towards what you think about God and how you think God relates to you, the basis on which God judges, the way God thinks, the platform from where God functions. That's what repentance is, is defined in. You can repent from all your sin and then in the eyes of God you've never repented. You can preach all over the world, do miracles, do everything and in the eyes of God you've never repented. Never repented. Because repentance is in connection with what God has done in Jesus. There was, uh, in, in Acts 19, there was a, um, a, a man that was preaching and he was preaching a fiery message and everything, and then Paul and them came to him and uh, wanted to explain the gospel better to him. And first thing asked him, with what baptism have you been baptized? Then he says, no, with the baptism of John. Then they said unto him, no, listen, man, John's baptism was the baptism of repentance. In other words, stop your sins. Wait for the Messiah. And that was to show forth Christ to come. You need to be baptized again. And daar was Paulus al die eerste wederdoopers. And they baptized that man again in the name of Jesus. So the baptism of Jesus is not a baptism of repentance. The baptism of Jesus is the baptism of acknowledgement of Christ and what is done for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That, that's what baptism is. So we repent in our belief. When we repent in our belief, then we can acknowledge my sins has been forgiven. Now let's go to uh, that verse there. In um, I didn't write that down. Sorry, man. But I think it's in Matthew something. But this guy, he was, he was sick. He was paralyzed. His friends brought him. Then the Bible says, And when Jesus saw that they had faith, He said, Your sins are forgiven you. Then they said, how can he? He's blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. Then Jesus said, what's easier to say? Listen to this. What's easier to say? To say your sins are forgiven or to say take up your bed and walk? To him it was the same thing. It was exactly the same thing. Because if I can declare to you your sins are forgiven, what, did, what does the Jewish mind believe when you say your sins are forgiven? It means you don't qualify for any curse. You qualify for the blessing. You've been made righteous. So if I tell you that your sins has been forgiven, so if somebody, the Jewish person, if that person was there, what did he actually want? He wanted healing. But what did the Jew believe? He believed that you are sick 
Why? Because you are under the curse. Why? Because you've disobeyed the law according to Deuteronomy 28. But now Jesus comes and says, I declare you forgiven. Now let me explain the word forgive. The word forgive is the, the word, uh, it's also used as the word for divorce. It's one of, it, it, it's like, go and study it in the Greek, it means to divorce. Or to separate from. So what did Jesus declare unto him? He says, listen, your sins has been separated from you. Your sins has been separated from you. Why was the sin of man separated from man? Because there came a man that was baptized and took the sin of the world on him. Then he separated you from your sin. Now, we know Isaiah 59. I think Isaiah 59 says, Your sins have separated me from you. But then God took sin away from us, meaning there's nothing separating man from God. There's nothing separating man from God. Now, when we repent, how do we repent? We repent in changing our belief concerning this whole thing. Saying, Lord, I hear this truth. I hear it. I feel the unction of it. But there need to be a day when you say, this is what I believe. I believe that God loves me. I believe that He gave me His Son. I believe all these things. And now, I add to my faith certain things. What do I add to my faith? The consequences of his obedience. I add that to my faith. So, what does that mean? I believe, I mean, everybody here, you believe Jesus died for you? Yes. You believe that uh, he was the son of God? Yes. Do you believe he was the son of man? Yes. Do you believe he came 2,000 years ago? Yes. Do you believe he was the lamb of God? Yes. Okay. Now you believe all of that. Now, you, you say, okay, I, I believe that. God is a God of love. But now I want to add something to my faith. How do I add to my faith? According to uh, uh, 2 Peter 1 there. Okay, if Jesus has separated me from my sin, that means the following. I am not under a curse when it comes to my finances. <laughs> Hallelujah. Unless you can see the love of God and see, have a, a repented mind, you cannot see the forgiveness of sins. How your sins has been separated from you, causing, bringing the consequences of um, innocence to your life. Your heart will never allow it. Your heart will never allow it. That's why we need to repent of our wrong belief. When people repent of their wrong belief, their heart will allow, my sins has been forgiven. My sins has been forgiven. My sins has been forgiven. When you go through a hard time, what does that hard time tell you? It condemns you, man. It judges you. It says you've done this wrong. You've done that wrong. You cannot be blessed. But if we can repent, then we can also say to this hard time, you don't have any power over me to condemn me. I'm not defined by you. My sins has been forgiven. So what the people preached was this. They preached, listen, repent, preach repentance. In other words, we can believe in a different system in how we go to God. There's a different system. A representative Jesus. We repent on how we believe we get to God. They believed you go through the law. Now he says repent, believe you can go through Jesus. Repentance. And they preached Forgiveness of sins. Your sins has been forgiven. They preach repentance and forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. Now many people might say, you want to ask something? Yes. So this person says, she says that, um, she says that you, you're going to be accountable for your time, what you did with your money, and, and everything you do. You're going to be accountable. You're going to be judged. Okay, now, there's a scripture in Corinthians that, say, that says that. But the context 
of that is what you've done with Christ on the earth. What have you done with, he says, you will be judged according to your works. It says, in, I think it's 1 Corinthians 2 or somewhere there, I'm not sure. It says, you will be judged according to your works. Okay? Now, if it says you're going to, it's, it's 2 Corinthians 5. You'll be judged according to your works. Why does he say that? Just before that, he says, you've been given the sacrifice of Christ, and what did you do with him? You'll be judged according to your work, how you've worked with Christ. Did you accept him or did you reject him? That's the context. Okay, so the, that's the context of 2 Corinthians 5. We cannot come with, God's gonna, God is not going to keep you accountable for how you've spent your money. He's not. And I can bet you that how you keep yourself accountable to God with your money is you must give money to that preacher. Yes. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> come on, man. Alle kinderkies van Jesus is die poppose. So, so I don't want to be ugly, but that's really, I, I get so upset because people get so manipulated and controlled by a loveless system because of an unrepented heart where people has not seen the, either not seen the love of God, heard the love of God, they have not seen or heard it, and that's why they have not repented. You know, so, um, or they hear it and reject it. I do believe that we, we will be, uh, we will, the only place where you'll be held accountable for your works is if you've rejected Christ. So there are scriptures there that can prove that. But the context is, I don't stand before God in Jesus. I stand before God outside of Jesus, and what I bring before Him, whereby He must judge me, is my works. Yeah, we cannot, we cannot believe that. So don't, don't believe that or even listen to that. No, don't listen to that. It will just upset your heart. Okay. Let's go to Acts 5.31. The last verse. Next week we will continue with this. And I want to preach a message on how to hear the voice of God. Man, it's going to bless you guys. How to hear God's voice. Because so many times you hear God told me. But it's so far outside the character of God. God told me. Why don't you smile? You better smile more. God will never say that. It's outside of His character. God will tell you something that makes you happy and brings forth a smile. Imagine you go to your wife and tell her, listen, smile, young. Maybe she's sad because of you. Make her happy. Hallelujah. A smile is there when there's joy. God knows why people don't smile. God knows why. I mean, no, God, God told me I must build this thing or do this thing or have this major. How do you know it's God? How do you know it's God? So, either next Sunday or the one off, maybe the one after that, I'll, I'll speak on how to hear the voice of God. That you can every time know I'm hearing God's voice with that peace in your heart. Amen. Right, let's end off with um, Acts 5.31. You can read John 5.31. It will not be there. Acts 5.31. <laughs> Talks about Jesus here. Let's read from verse uh, 30. Then God, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him has God exalted with his right hand to be a prince, of salva a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So what does he say? He raised Jesus from the dead. When he raised him from the dead, he offered a new way of believing on how to be saved. And he offered, your sins are forgiven. That's what he offered. He raised him from the dead so that repentance and forgiveness of sins could be offered to Israel, to people. Yes. So repentance is actually one part of salvation. It's repentance, the, 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 repentance is a change of belief. 
Th that's what it is. Now, <clears throat> that's why Paul says, I repent daily. You know? It is every day, in every area of my life, I keep my mind renewed in the gospel of grace. It was not, he's leaving his sin every day. He, yeah. He was not hitting the recommit button every day. There was a time when he, he repented and, and believed on Jesus when he fell off the horse. And then there was another time in Romans 7 when he repented again. If you go and read the book of Revelation, he will say, repent and do the first works. What was the first works? They left their first love. Our love to God is the second love. But they left the first love and how much God loves us. They fell into the second love, into how much we must love God. They left their first love. You know, so, he says, we love him for he first loved us. They left their first love. <laughs> Amen. Got into other ways of loving God. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful to know that God loves us? I feel so loved by God. You know, and I want to encourage you. You know, the heart of man. Some of you hasn't been here when I spoke about the heart of man. But the heart of man is such a programmable thing. You can program your heart by just thinking, meditating upon these things. When you lie down on your bed, just let your mind roll in this love of God. Just some practical things. See the Lamb of God slain. See God speaking words of innocence about you. See how God, how God offers you repentance. Now repentance is not this thing of, Oh, I must be one day bekeer. No, no. All of a sudden it is, and, and I've seen so many times when I worked amongst a lot of mustard colored people. You come to somebody in the street, you say, Et you all bekeer, jong? And say, and see the, the, then the friend next to him says, Hy is bekeer, maar is hy verlossie. Isn't it? That means, he has repented of his sins, but never of his wrong belief about God. He believes living holy saves him. He's never repented of that sin. And now he became tired. So what she actually says is, he tried to be saved by his works, but it doesn't work. That's what they actually say. <laughs> no, no. When we've come to repentance, repentance is, you, it's a change of belief about the truth about you to the point where you can acknowledge. You've got the foundation because you've repented in your mind where you can boldly declare the forgiveness of your sins. Amen. Thank you, Father. Let's just close our eyes. As I've been preaching, many, many of you in certain areas of your life has already been repenting. The wonderful thing about repentance is as you hear the word, it brings forth a repentance in your heart. And as it brings it forth, you can just yield to it. And you walk out here, I want to tell you, I declare to you, forgiveness of sins. Next Sunday I will speak on the scripture on if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you. And explain that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus declared that man that was paralyzed, forgiven. When he saw their faith, they believed in him. They've repented from seeking healing from the Pharisees. They came to Jesus. He declared the truth over them so that in their hearts they could see themselves as forgiven and cleansed and then walk as people that are clean. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for everybody that is here. I want to thank you, my God, for everybody that is watching via the internet. I thank you, Lord, that you love every person. Thank you for your great love, my God. Thank you that we cannot, will not leave our first love. There are people here today, people watching over the web. Maybe you've lost your first love. It's time to come back to your first love and do the first works. The first works has been yielding to the work of Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I declare every person here that is sick, every person that is suffers with depression 
or any sickness, every person that listens to my voice, any sickness you have, I declare in the mighty name of Jesus, your sins has been forgiven you. You are forgiven. That means you are now healed and the deed of righteousness towards you, the act of righteousness towards you called justification is your healing manifesting right now by the power of the Holy Spirit and not you trying to be healed anymore. Thank you, Lord. I declare healing over all the people here. I declare financial prosperity and blessing over people here in Jesus' mighty name. I declare absolute freedom over them. They will not be bound by fear concerning the future with finances. They will not be bound by fear concerning the future when it comes to their healing, their children. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I declare all of you blessed, well spoken of by God. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You know, uh, I just want to say this as a last thing to say. The word Barak, for those of you that have not heard this, the word Barak means to kneel down and speak well. Now, I went and, and I studied that out and I saw some deeper words in there. It actually means to kneel down in adoration. My goodness. The Bible says, and God made man, and he, he made Adam and Eve, and then He blessed them. He knelt down in adoration for what He's made and spoke well over them and said, I need more of this. Be fruitful and multiply. forgiven because you were forsaken I'm accepted you were condemned and I'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died and rose again I'm forgiven because you were forsaken I'm accepted